Welcome to a new and piping hot fresh episode of Trashy Divorces. Y'all, this week, this podcast was made for our couples this week. I'm so excited. Hi, Stacy. But hello, Alicia. Yeah, th- these are yours. Woo! That blew my mind. Like, I'm still heart palpitations over mm-hmm. the trash candy gold that was mine. Y'all, everybody get comfy. Take a load off. We're so glad you're here. So happy you're here. There's a lot happening in the world right now. Boy, is there, is there, yeah, lots and lots. We would like to take a minute to say thank you to everyone who is out in the States expressing their First Amendment rights and to our friends abroad who are, for whatever reason, taking to the streets in their cities to express solidarity with all that. Thank you. Yeah, there's a tremendous amount going on in the world right now. And there are a lot of different lanes and ways in which to resist. But taking a little bit of an hour for some self-care, some relaxation, it's kind of a big deal. And we are honored and grateful that you are here with us today. Indeed. We hope that we deliver. <laughs> Whoa, baby. Stacy, this week, you're bringing us the story of, uh, I'm doing it again. Team Jen, yo. Jen and Ben, Ben Affleck, <sighs> Jennifer Garner. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to say. There's, oh my. A nanny no, I gate. know what to There's say. There's a. Jen Garner is a saint, yeah, is what yeah. we can... There you go. It's the big takeaway. You have. Oh, oh my. my gosh. You have one you've wanted to do since before we started this. A little bit. I did a slightly different angle this week, and I did the tale of the trashy divorces of Tori Spelling and Dean McDermott to get them together in maybe the love affair of a lifetime or their delusional, I don't know, in honor of our Canadian ex-sweethearts. Mary Jo Eustace and Dean McDermott this week. I picked a classic from the Bare Naked Ladies catalog from the 1992 release, Gordon. Ah, just a lovely little song called Blame It On Me. It's a good choice for these stories. Big cheers to our Canadian friends out there. If you are a Canadian friend or you happen to like Bare Naked Ladies, y'all, go to that bit.ly. Stacey, tell the people. Our Trash Candy Quarantine link is bit.ly slash Trash Candy Quarantine. I'm sorry I made it so long. You, it, In hindsight, that was a bad idea. <laughs> we get to say it a lot. If you want to deep dive into the trashy divorce of Ed Robertson and Steve Page, you can find that episode on the Trash Candy Quarantine link, as well as many more episodes that we have pulled out of our Patreon vault. Yep. If you want to go check that out. We have some shout outs to give in our magic mirror this week. We do. We are so grateful to have been joined on Patreon by Angela P, Jennifer S, Jess, Paige L, Jen M, Catherine P, Melita K, and Colleen W, Ashley G, Sinshal S, Annie, Sonia S, Melissa N, Devin D, Heather D, Grace B, and we got super supporters too. Oh my gosh, two new super supporters this week. Many, many thanks to... Shannon J and Junine A. Y'all, thank you everybody for joining Team Trash Candy over on the Patreon side. What did you hear this week? Ooh, Fun with Dunn came back in a big way with the feuding Silberstein sisters. They were the owners of the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yeah, I didn't see this one coming. Oh, it was so good. Uh, we also had a little bit about another set of feuding sisters. In addition to the Silberstein sisters, I rounded out the dishy dish on... Edie Getz, whose sister Irene Selznick, they were the daughters of Louis B. Mayer 
I did a whole dirty digs on her house. It was a lot of fun. And you did a, ooh. Yeah, I had a little bonus on the uh, the travails of one Billy Bush. That was a good who, story. Uh, really took all the consequences for someone else being a jerk. So good. Okay, I think that about does it, y'all. Yeah, it's got it. Hey, ba- if this episode goes badly, babe, you can blame it on me, but... <laughs> Are we ready to go, go, go? You're waiting on me, you're backing up. So, Stacy, I went in the back of my closet and pulled out my Team Gen shirt. <laughs> I used timely. that back before yeah, with timely. the Jen, Aniston, Brad Pitt episode that we've done, mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. really feel like... I'm a consistent team gen overall on that's, trashy divorces so far. That I feel like that's a good so far I feel like that's good posturing, yeah. Talk to me about your story this week. I managed to avoid most of the news about these two goofballs, so I don't know as much as I like I don't go. I'm so excited. Okay. This is another story where I have deep affection for both Jennifer Garner, mostly her, and Ben Affleck who She's a saint. She reads to dogs. <laughs> like, come on. She reads to golden retrievers. <sighs> do do they follow the stories? Do you, uh, probably. Is she teaching like, them to read? She's a saint. Go okay. ahead. Pull out your trashy divorces bingo cards, everybody. Oh, yeah. Because today we're going to talk about a marriage that I think featured a whole lot of the old trashy divorces mistake of, but I can fix him. Oh, there's so many repetitions this uh-huh, week. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Jennifer Garner, we heart you. We do. We really, really heart you. And we're so sorry that your ex-husband, Ben Affleck, has never really managed to get his shit together for more than like a year at a time or something. Does or- Jen Garner go in the First Wives Club like Catherine of Aragon and Henry VIII? I think she is the quintessential ex-wife. We'll get to that. She's, yeah, I think you're right. So good. I think you're right. She continues to save him. She's in the ex-wife hall of fame. Mm -hmm. Team Jen. Okay, we're also really pleased and impressed by how you both seem to be handling co-parenting after a divorce. So while this story is toothsome with all the trash we love, (laughs) it's also kind of inspiring and all that boring heart-swelling stuff that I guess is fitting for a Hollywood ending. Ooh la la. I know, which it is, right? Ha ha. It's... Thinks it's never an end when you have children. Okay, let's get into it. Our dear Jen is an Aries. Aw. Ben is a Leo. I know oh, you have thoughts. no. Really? Jen came into the world on April 17th, 1972. Can yes, I can. Stacy, I do have thoughts. <laughs> Leo men mm. are not altogether useless, <laughs> but there is a reason that the lionesses are in charge of the pride. Oh, interesting. Please continue. Will do, because I do get into a little of, of his later, too. So How Leo men are lazy AF? Oh, I can't wait. We'll go, touch go, go. on it. We'll touch on it. So uh, our dear Jen is an Aries who came into the world on April 17, 1972, child of a chemical engineer and a teacher. Oh, wow. Uh, I think she was born in Texas, but like really young. They moved to Charleston, West Virginia. She went to college, studied drama, started out studying chemistry like dear old dad, but got the acting bug. She worked summer stock theater, including... Notably, a 1994 stint at the Georgia Shakespeare Festival no here in Merry Old Atlanta. Represent. Yeah. You know those dogs listen to her. She sounds super smart. I think she is super smart. Okay. After graduating college, 
1995, she spent a couple years in New York, trained in theater, picked up her first television roles. Big times, you know. Team Jen! Like every other 24-year-old creative in the city, she worked in a restaurant to pay her bills. And I think she was landing enough work that it made sense to, like, take it to the next level. So in 97, she moved to the left coast, planting herself in the beating heart of Hollywood. Oh my, the city of angels. Like, it's really weird to read about the early years for super famous actors because there's so much luck and good timing. Like, there's so many things that have to align that it, it means the difference between being a, a working actor whose name no one ever really learns, but, you know, maybe you're making a living in Hollywood and being someone like Jennifer Garner, right? Yeah. Like, it's just... You meet the right person versus meeting the wrong person. You Like, it's just such dumb luck, which does not downplay the talent and the hard work and all that. But seriously, none, right of, place, none, right of, time. Yeah, none of those things guarantee success in Hollywood. Okay. Newly arrived Jen, she got right to work with the hustling, started landing some parts on TV and in film. Hey, speaking of dumb luck, her <laughs> first big movie, movie role was... Um, in a Woody Allen film called Deconstructing Harry. Must have been hugely exciting to the young actress. I will be in a movie that critics will admire for generations. Talk about forever and ever. And in a move that must have been crushing to her at the time, most of her part ended up on the cutting room floor during editing. (laughs) Yeah, there's probably not a lot of boo-hooing about that right now. Not today. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, so, like, Jennifer Garner is not linked to Woody Allen in the public mind in the way that that others are. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of luck. Team Jen. She kept working, of course. And in 98, J.J. Abrams took note of her and put her onto his show Felicity. Really? I had kind of forgotten Felicity entirely. I never watched it, but I didn't know that. Interesting. Um, And that would pay off bigly, that connection with J.J. Abrams, just a couple of years later. In the meantime, she kicked around like... A bunch of pilots, a bunch thing. of yeah, yeah, stuff that never made it through the first season, that kind of thing. She got married to Felicity co-star Scott Foley. Really? Who you may best know as Captain Jake Ballard from Scandal, the yeah. mysterious Navy officer. To spiderwebs. B-634 or whatever the thing was. Oh, God, that show was trashy. Sometime, sometime lover of, of Olivia show. Pope. Oh, yeah. Scandal was great. Okay, and she also popped up for a few minutes playing a nurse in the World War II epic Pearl Harbor oh, I forgot back about around that. 2000. Well, she met a guy on oh, set, it turns like out. You do. Mm-hmm. 2001. Not a space odyssey. But <laughs> this is when J.J. Abrams was writing and putting together his show Alias. And as he was writing the main character, Sidney Bristow, he sort of had. Jennifer Garner in mind from working with her on Felicity. And sure enough, over the course of its five seasons, Jennifer Garner. I'm so middle-aged. I totally forgot she was in there. (laughs) It's been 20 years. I mean, I mean, 15 since it went off the air, but she got a golden globe for best actress. She had three other nominations. She was hot. Four Emmy nominations for best actress and a screen actors guild award for best actress. No way. Profile. Raised. Yeah. A-list. We're going to park Jen Garner here at the Trashy Divorce of Soundstage. While things are good. Yeah. We're going to walk across the lot to meet our next contestant. 
A man who seems locked in an eternal battle with his own trash demons. The actor, screenwriter, director, and guy who just kind of always looks like he's just rolled out of bed after a bad night of sleep. Ben Affleck. Benny. Benny, Benny. Young Ben found his way into the world just a few months after his future wife did on August 15th, 1972. Okay. As noted, he's a Leo, making this an Aries-Leo match. Which is something that Alicia has a lot of opinions about, I can tell you. Nope of fire. Fire and nope. Nope of fire. Is that like a... Fire and nope. Cusp of don't do this? No, like typically... Okay, here's the thing. Fire signs are typically... Like your similar element sign is always going to be good with you, but there's always going to be one better than the other. For an Aries, it is definitely a Sagittarius, not a Leo. Okay. A Leo is going to be far too impatient with the prove it world of the Aries where Sagittarius is a little more settled with that. You know what? I also, I did a little more digging because oh, I knew. Oh, yes. What, what do you I, I knew this was going to be very relevant to you, you. You got a moon sign? I suspected that you would suspect that Ben must have some kind of weird moon or something happening. And according to a celebrity birth chart website that oh, I oh, assume is highly reputable, his moon is Scorpio. Yes. I mean, no, that's bad. That's even worse. <laughs> well, but-, but even more importantly, Uranus is in Libra. No, I just wanted to say that. Oh, God. <laughs> Leo man, Scorpio moon. Whoa. <laughs> oh, I understand Ben Affleck a lot better now. Do you? Yeah. Well, I I, my story is done. I give it five trash cans. Great. Let's take a quick break and uh, <laughs> we'll be back with Tori and Dean. Back in a minute. I digress. <laughs> so he was born in California, but when he was little, kind of like Jen, she was born in Texas, moved to West Virginia. Um, the family moved back east. His mom was a Harvard alum. I think actually maybe they moved back east for her to go to Harvard. Not, okay. not clear. She taught elementary school. And because why not? She had been one of the original Freedom Riders. In, no. Yeah. Going down to Mississippi. Like, come on. Yeah. Talk about a proud heritage. Okay. His father did not go to college, but was into theater and playwriting. And he like held a string of various jobs, but was effectively crippled um, by crushing alcoholism. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. So, and, and Ben has inherited that uh, as well. So, um, anyway, his parents divorced when he was 11. Dad continued to spiral for several years. Mm. He was even homeless for a while. Um, he did finally get into a program and has been sober for a couple decades. They have a oh, good, good for Dad. Yeah, they have a good relationship now. Good job, Dad. Oh, and when Ben was eight, he befriended a neighborhood kid named Matt Damon. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm, proving for the ages that old friends are the best. He was also a child actor. Although really? he... He didn't have like a momager about it though. Like she wasn't like we're gonna. She's a Harvard move to Harvard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. She was loving Cambridge. Okay, so he had like some PBS children's stuff. He did an after-school special. It's in some kind of made-for-TV movie. Like this stuff you do, I guess, in the Boston area when you're a kid. Totally makes sense. Yeah. And then he and Matt Damon apparently had a joint when when they were a little bit older. Had a joint savings account that where they stashed money so they could go to New York to audition. They really found each other, they those found two. Each other. <laughs> They're both married to other people, but we know where their hearts are. But, you know, Deep sometimes down. you have that. that they cre- really found each other. Creative other half. Mm-hmm. So as a kid and as a teenager, uh, he was an unfocused student. I think he really struggled through the breakdown well, of his like parents' marriage. It sounds like there's a lot marriage. of Imago happening mm-hmm. in, yeah. So he just kind of flailed. And like 90, 91, he headed to L.A. I think he 
made a show of being a college student, maybe so he could make student films. Um, not really sure. Did <laughs> like a bunch of, yeah, nothing burger acting roles. His big achievement in this period was playing the school bully in Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused. Oh, I forgot about that. He was such a jerk, too. <laughs> <laughs> he, now I remember played, him in that he, movie. He was yeah. an ass. So this apparently gave him a lot of insight into how films are made. All right, all right, all right. Which, uh, which, will, <laughs> which will matter later. Because of Ben Affleck's age and his height and his general ability to loom effectively, he had been cast a lot. <laughs> That's a good sentence. <laughs> He'd been cast a lot as athletes or maybe athletes with steroid problems or otherwise troubled athletes. And he Special was... Special skills you can bring to the role. Yeah, he was loom. starting to... <laughs> So, like, you weave? No, no. No, no. I'm a great loomer. I loom. Not like the Sheldon Cooper kind of way. The other kind of way. So, loom. all right. So, Kevin Smith casts him in Mallrats in 95. Oh, I love that movie. Were you, okay, I was going to ask, Kevin, like, no, I Kevin love... Smith is the best. The 90s really were just peak indie film awesomeness, which actually your story... Straight up, man. Mm-hmm. So, this sort of began to shift his career. So... Like, yes, he was the jerk bully in Mallrats as well, but then Kevin Smith wrote him as the lead in Chasing Amy in 1997. Middle-aged memories, yo. Like the corners of my mind. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would have a whole lot of issues if I watched that movie now. So much. I did like it at the time. Mm -hmm. So that role really, really landed. Critics really just embraced Ben Affleck, leading man, whatever. But 1997 was not done with Ben Affleck yet. Did he and his boyfriend have something to do? He and his platonic boyfriend, who had been working on a script since 1992, released Goodwill Hunting that yeah, year. Yeah. And uh, it took him several years to get this through the studio system, but it was a box office smash that critics absolutely swooned for. The darlings of Hollywood. And the boys won themselves a Golden Globe for Best Original Screenplay. And then they took home the Oscar for the same. Ben, yep. at the age of 25, wow, is the youngest writer ever to win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Wow. I really, I genuinely believe that there is an alternate universe where Ben Affleck grew up to be a painfully shy novelist writing like literary fiction in Boston, like whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. Planet V. Yeah. And like none of this tabloid crap ever happened to him. He just like sits in New Hampshire and releases a book every seven years. (laughs) I could see that. Yeah. All right. Big fame. Like there's a picture on his Wikipedia page of he and Matt Damon sitting with like on couches with Bill Clinton watching a screening of Goodwill hunting. At, yeah, it's a different world. It's a different world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the tragic personal life of young Ben Affleck. First, he met Gwyneth Paltrow at a Miram accident in 1997. God bless him. And they were a Hollywood power couple through about 2000. Wow. I only vaguely remember that. I remember her with Brad. I don't remember her with him. This pre, I think it was pre Brad. I had a lot going on in the late 90s and apparently yeah. missed out on that. We're busy people. <laughs> now is the time we can sit back and catch up on all that we've missed over the last decades. <laughs> he starred in Armageddon during this period, which turned him into, and I capitalized these words, leading man material 
And later he co-starred with Gwyneth in Shakespeare in Love, a movie I have seen more times than is probably right. It's a good movie. There was also a little movie called Pearl Harbor around this time that I may have mentioned before, where he met someone. But quickly overshadowing all of this on-screen work, from 2002 to 2004, Ben was the boy toy slash fiancé of pop singer and intrepid publicity attractant Jennifer Lopez. Oh, shake it. Shake it, shake it. Like, we will cover Jennifer Lopez on a future episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I may have gone over. This is is just a weird part of his life story. I did put a lot in. Okay. Known in the press as Benifer. Remember when that was all happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The pair were under a white-hot spotlight for the entirety of their relationship, and while J-Lo is someone who thrives in the burn, Ben does not. Yeah. And he did not. Like, he visibly shrank, as did his career during this relationship. She was married when they met. Forgot yeah. that. They met on the set of um, Geely? What, how the fuck is that pronounced? Yeah, that movie. Everyone's forgotten about it. No, everyone remembers that it was a horrific bomb. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, less than nine months into oh. that marriage that she was in, which I think was her second marriage, she files for divorce so she can be with Ben. Of course she does. Tabloid catnip. <laughs> Meow. It is raining cat and dog trash candy around this place. Yeah, their relationship was a three-ring tabloid circus. It was everywhere. It was horrible. November 2002, he proposed to her. Great thinking. With a 6.1 carat pink diamond solitaire custom made by Hollywood jeweler Harry Winston. We have learned this year that J-Lo did not seem to care so much for the amount of attention that ring got because it meant that the camera panned away from her and towards her hand. Oh. Like, oh. The first Interesting. Time, the first time she met Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand comes up to her and is like, oh my God, can I see your ring? No interest in her at all. She was so mad. Wow. Okay. By the time the wedding day approached in the fall of 03, Ben Affleck felt overexposed, burned out. The wedding never happened and they broke up a few months later. Worse for him than just like a breakup with his fiance, trying to manage his girlfriend, his public image and his career all at once had really taken a toll on every part of that. Like... Nothing really survived it. So the movie bombed and then other work in this period also failed to land. It was just a sort of classic situation of like his personal life overshadowing his professional attempts. It's a tough um, time. And I think the public was just bored with him. He really just doesn't do well as a tabloid figure. He's <laughs> he's not comfortable with it. So yeah, like the Benefer thing and then his own insecurities. And I don't think he deals with stress well. And he just kind of shut down. Like he wasn't getting great parts anymore and the scripts weren't awesome. And anyway, so by now he had co-starred with Jennifer Garner twice. First in the aforementioned Pearl Harbor and then in Daredevil where she played Elektra. And Daredevil is apparently where their first romantic sparks flew, but that is where his looming experience really came in handy was Daredevil. Um, that was one of the main prerequisites for the role. Leaning. That probably was. Mm-hmm. So at the time, she was still married to Scott Foley, and he had not even proposed yet to J-Lo. Oh. So they were not quite where they needed to be to get together, but but there was definitely a... The universe has a plan, Ooh. kids. So in the aftermath of 
the disaster with JLo and her own divorce uh, from Scott Foley, they started talking and then they were more than talking. You can call me. But Ben was like in public image rehab mode, which meant that for the time being, he wanted to be as far away from the public eye as possible. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he still had a sunburn from all the camera flashes that he <laughs> got with JLo. And he just, I think he was just trying to, like, pause and reboot. He wasn't happy with any of the material he was getting. Just nothing was working for him. So he just wanted to be out of it. So what this meant from a practical standpoint was that Jen Garner flying high with Alias and and other stuff was walking Hollywood's red carpet solo. And then she would meet up with her not secret, but not being blasted to the tabloids either boyfriend at the after parties. So awesome. He was still like really active in Hollywood. He was socially present, but but not for the cameras, which is probably smart. It is very smart. It's also an unusual approach for a young actor. It's just, no, if you're going through the things. Yeah. Like, God, people have, like, I'm sick of myself. You've got yeah. to be sick of me. Yeah. I feel like a, a lot of people adopt the all publicity is good publicity frame, and that doesn't appear to be what he's done, which I respect. <laughs> he has a different, a slightly different take. Yeah. Like, as I was writing this, it, it occurred to me that Ben Affleck may not love acting in its own right, that acting may really be more of an extension of his writing. So he acts because that you make a lot of money at that, but there's also there's a lot of there's a lot of tie in with his writing. He's moved into directing now too, I think. Yeah. I don't think acting is his favorite part. Anyway. I'll figure it out. Yeah, so there's this anecdote about him when he was cast in Armageddon in ninety eight. Michael Bay had to be convinced to hire him. So Bay just sees this geeky dude with bad teeth, and the producer was like, No, 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 this guy's gonna be a star. Like Put him in the movie. So Michael Bay is like, okay, guy, need you to, you need to drop some weight. You need to get a tan and you need to get your teeth capped. <laughs> and like, this is what every single woman in working For in Hollywood sure, gets yeah. every time she gets a role. I don't know. I thought it was pretty illuminating. Like he was kind of just a disheveled guy who shows up like, I mean, I could be in your movie. And it's, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, where's my role? I'm a good loomer. <laughs> I loom well. Okay. So he's in career hiatus and that's fine because the relationship with Jen was flourishing and her career was really taking off because Alias had blown up into a huge thing. And then 13 going on 30 had established her as like one of the most addictively watchable leads She's that adorable. you can imagine. She's so good on she screen. Reads she reads to dogs and they listen and they because listen. it's Jen Garner. In 2005, Ben hopped over to the Harry Winston store again. <laughs> hey, buddy. He uh, picked up a four and a half carat <laughs> diamond ring, which he offered to her on her 33rd birthday, and they became engaged. Ooh. On June 29 of that year, they, on the island of Turks and Caicos, is that yeah. pronounced correctly? Okay. They married in a ceremony so private that it literally was the two of them, their officiant, the actor Victor Garber, and his husband, the artist Rainier Andreessen. Fantastic. That, that was it. Four Perfect. people in a room. Great. It is so the opposite of what his life with J-Lo would have what been like. Would have been like, yeah. And interestingly, I think having some like gargantuan, super fussy wedding experience was not actually anything Jen wanted either. When she and Scott Foley got married, they had a ceremony in their house. Mm-hmm. Like, have I mentioned that Jennifer Garner 
is awesome. Is a saint. Pretty mm-hmm. much a saint. Team Jen. This marriage initially was wonderful for both of them. It really, like, we were rooting for those kids. Yep. When Alias came to an end, Jen took some time off, had a baby. Then she returned triumphantly to the screen and 07 sleeper hit Judo. And then she just kicked ass in the ensemble action drama The Kingdom, which is like a military FBI like action thriller. But it's also a cool imagining of what it would be like to be really good at your job and be surrounded by people who are really good at their jobs all the time. It's a fantasy in some ways. <laughs> I saw it when I was trapped in corporate and was like, wow. This is the life. I don't want the guns and explosions part, but gosh. The rest of it looks okay. <laughs> okay. Ben, who had started considering directing back uh, when he was in Reindeer Games around 2000, decided that if he wasn't going to get great scripts as an actor, he could always grab that chair behind the camera. So Gone Baby Gone in 2007, which his brother Casey Affleck starred in, yeah. earned him some like serious buzz. And then he had a role as George Reeves in Hollywoodland that kind of caused critics to take another look at him as, uh, oh, maybe this uh, Affleck guy is coming back around. So the success of Gone Baby Gone led Warner Brothers to offer him a choice of scripts. And in 2010, he made The Town with actress Blake Lively. It's a crime drama. I haven't seen it. But later, when things went bad with Jen, reports came out that he had spent a lot of time trying to get pretty close with Blake Lively, who was apparently having none of it. Oh, no. So. Eek. He would go on to direct Argo in 2012, and that's a good movie, too. Won Best Picture at the Oscars, earned him a Best Director Award at the Golden Globes, BAFTA, and the Directors Guild of America, Upside Downside. His non-win for Best Director at the Academy Awards was widely viewed as a snub. Also, his acceptance speech for the Best Picture included some cringy, cringy messages for his wife. Quote, I want to thank you for working on marriage for 10 Christmases. It's good. It is work, but it's the best kind of work. And there's no one I'd rather work with. What's wrong with the thank you? What's wrong with you, Ben Affleck? Okay. How about I love you. You're awesome. Thanks, Jen. My kids are so cool. Thanks for giving them to me. Whatever. Jennifer would later tell the Telegraph of London, I know Ben... I knew he meant it as the hugest, warmest compliment in the world. I think he was saying, look, what we have is really real, and I value it above all, and I'm in it with you, and I know you are in it with me. That's the way I took it. We love you, Jen. We're so sorry. Okay. By this point, the Affleck-Garner family included three kids, and apparently quite a lot of baggage. This particular story wouldn't hit the press for a few years. But behind the scenes, it seems like Ben struck up what would become a long-running affair in 2013 or 2014 with a talent booker at Saturday Night Live. Oh, no. Both were married, and Ben was apparently not that discreet in finding reasons to get himself to New York. Yikes. Gets worse. One story has it that Jen found text messages between the pair and confronted Ben and or confronted the girlfriend about the affair. Oh, my. But on it went, and in another story, this one is super trashy, is that Jen was finally driven to exposing the affair to the girlfriend's husband, who is a producer of the Seth Meyers show. Oh, no. So, yeah, like, she appears on Seth Meyers, and then afterwards is like, hey. BT dubs. Hey, buddy, I don't know if you know, but here are some screen grabs of the text messages our spouses are exchanging. Oh, no. Those two are divorced, by the way. 
Then there was 2015's, say it with me, Nanny Gate. Yeah, I remember <laughs> something with the... Okay, so there were already Yikes breakup rumors about Jen at this time. There had been a moving truck spotted at their house, which they were like, no, we're remodeling. We needed to get some furniture out. Uh-huh. <laughs> furniture is named Ben. Okay, so there are rumors. They'd given a lot of pushback, whatever. In April 2015, they hire a nanny named Christine Ozonian, maybe. Previously, she had nannied for Neil Patrick Harris and his husband, David Burtka. Okay. They of the amazing Halloween costumes. Good references. Seriously good references, yeah. In June, Ben, Jen, the kids, and the nanny all head to the Bahamas for a vacation. Like you do. A week or so in, Ben leaves to fly to Vegas for a poker tournament with his good buddy, New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. Oh. He's now with Tampa Bay, I guess. Okay. Anyway. On Tom's private plane. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, the nanny joined them for this trip, leaving the kids on the beach with Jen. What? And posting Instagram snaps of her on the plane with Tom Brady's Super Bowl rings all over her fingers. Like, I would have some questions. Everyone did. So, long story short, Christine got herself fired by Jennifer Garner. And on June 30th, a day after their 10th wedding anniversary... Ben and Jen announced that they were divorcing for the first time. So by this point, it seems like they had both accepted that the relationship was not working as maybe they would want a marriage to work. And they might even have considered themselves separated. These two are super sticky when it comes to each other, though. Like there is a ton of love between them, even if they're not able to make it work the way they want it to. So while they were technically like divorcing, I'm air quoting here, while they were divorcing and split up, they were attending couples counseling and they were giving it another Trying try it and another okay. try. And yeah, yeah. And, and and Ben is seeing people on the side. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. March 2017. So almost two years later after Nannygate, Ben checks himself into rehab for alcohol addiction. And a source tells People Magazine that the couple is trying to reconcile. Good on Ben. This lasted about a month before Jennifer dropped papers for divorce. Again, though, super sticky. Ben was really, really struggling with alcohol. And I think she did not want to, like, add stress while he was in process with that. So the divorce just kind of sat there, like, for a really long time. Uh, In late 2018, uh, he went back into treatment. And when he finally, like, came out of treatment and... Sometimes it takes a few times to caught, stick. Oh, for sure. And caught his breath. Um, I think that was when they finally both were able to accept the sorrow of signing the papers and making the split real. So, yeah, they basically split up in 2015 and were not divorced until the end of 2018. Wow. And they're still super close. We have like, three kids together. Mm-hmm. You don't get to have the opportunity. No, it's true. But in, I mean, in most situations you you need to maintain a relationship. Right. Like obviously we don't know what what this looks like in private, but in public these two could not be kinder to each other. It's cuz Jen Garner's a saint. Like she really could have and like by rights no one would fault her for really messing with his reputation. <laughs> but she has not. She has not done that. No, she uses an extraordinary amount of grace yep. in the things that she does. And I can, I appreciate that. 
So Ben has had a succession of ill-conceived relationships since the divorce was finalized, and while I'm sure that's not been super fun for Jennifer Garner, it really is hard to think of a person who has worked harder to support an ex, and to the extent possible in a divorce, to keep her family together. I feel some halos coming on. Yeah, Ben has said that the divorce is his biggest regret, by which I think he means his inability to make the marriage work. Like, I know it's both sides, but it really, I feel like he gets a 51% share and she just a 49. I don't know. When all else fails, you can blame it on me. Yeah. So I don't know really how to, I mean, he's not unusually trashy for a, like a rich guy, basically. (laughs) Um, I don't really know how many trash cans to throw at this one. Um, But yeah, she gets some halos. Little little handful of um, dog shaped reading time halos sitting on clouds that look like puppy paws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we well, let's give him twenty five trash cans for the age he was when he won his first Oscar. Okay, full of his own trashy demons. It's tough. Man. He's yeah. It's he's... tough when you're battling. Like God. That's a tough situation. It sounds like they have come through on the other side Mm -hmm. to a much healthier spot. It does. Which we can all support. Yeah. I mean, you kind of cheer for the they're always going to love each other kind of people because so many breakups go so differently. Dude, it's a trashy win. (laughs) Trashy win for everybody. All right. Well, that that is Ben and Jen to the best of my ability. Rock on. Let's take a quick break. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, "Hey, we're the Bravo Bros, two guys that talk about Bravo." Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Bravo Bros. No, oh, dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, "Oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo," people are gonna get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo, bros. Good job. Alicia, you've been in some sort of, I don't know, trash candy trance all week. You've been dancing through the house, celebrating. Tori and Dean. Oh, my. (laughs) This week, I'm coming in from a little bit different of an angle, y'all. I can Aunt Irma over this one for days if you want to go down the Tori and Dean rabbit hole, please check all my receipts on TrashyDivorces.com today. I'm covering the trashy divorces of two couples here. Okay. The first, Dean McDermott and his first wife, Mary Jo Eustace, and the trashy divorce of Tori Spelling and Charlie Shannon. I've not seen his name pronounced consistently, but apparently he's the nicest dude in the world. Oh, well, okay. good for him. Yeah, I would just like to say my only real familiarity with Tori Spelling is from the 90s indie amazing movie House of Yes, based on a play of the same name. And I make donut royalty jokes all the time that no one gets because apparently I'm the only one who ever watched that. So Just like now? Huh. Actually, I did... <laughs> I did watch House of Yes because it has Parker Posey in it, it right? It does, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I did not enjoy that movie at all. It's so good. Didn't enjoy it's it. Stellar. Not important. I'm going to explain Tori and Dean to you like you're five today. Great. because It's I, a great story. Otherwise, I don't really know who she is. 
Okay, so Tori and Dean both have trashy divorces, and their affair in 2005 will turn into a 14-year marriage and piles and piles of trash candy. You got very Southern there for a oh second. Oh my God, just, just gob piles of trash candy. So two trashy divorces in this one, and maybe a love story too, because like whatever you think about Tori and Dean, they are so public. I'm probably not going to cover your favorite thing. I'm doing a 50,000 overview like it's a different angle because y'all, I have questions. Either this is the love story of the century or they're delusional. This is where I went in. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand. But it turns out these two are opposing signs. And Dean has a type. And Mary Jo is the same sign as Tori. Opposing signs. What are they? There are six pairs in astrology. This is super quick because there's a whole Patreon episode about it. There is. It's going to come out today. There's six pairs in the traditional zodiac. And I would like to introduce you today to the Taurus-Scorpio mix. Oh, it is sex and mystery and secrets. And the thing with opposing signs is they'll always seek in each other what the other lacks and vice versa. Anyway, check out on Patreon. I'm not getting too much into astrology here. Check it out on Patreon if you want the dish on opposing signs. But literally, to remember them, and especially Taurus and Scorpio, they literally cannot help themselves. Okay. Let's start with our Canadian sweethearts. Okay. Because Dean and Mary Jo are both Canadian. Oh, I was going to say, Tori Spelling's Canadian? Nope. Nope. Dean. Okay. Sweet Mary Josephine Eustace. She's like Judy Collins, a May 1st baby, born in Toronto. Hello, Canadian friends. She is, Mary Jo is raised with four kids in her family. They call themselves the Motley Crew, like family's a big deal. And everybody calls her dad Smokey because he smokes like two packs a day. And he's the beloved father, and her mom is great, and, like, family is a thing. And Mary Jo, like, does the thing Mary Jo's supposed to do. She goes to college, she studies English, and later she's going to be like, I really like culinary stuff. So she'll graduate with a culinary degree. She's doing it. And by 1993, she has fallen in love with a fellow Canadian boy, also Toronto-born, Dean McDermott. Scorpio, November 16th. Whoa, baby. The attraction and need and push and pull of a Scorpio Taurus mix cannot be denied. Dean grows up. He has some sisters too, but Dean really, really digs Mary Jo's family and this whole unit. And by 1993, these two wedding bells have gotten hitched, but I have a few funny stories here. Before they get married, because they're getting married in the Catholic church, they have to go to this Catholic retreat for like, whatever, you're... So they, they didn't get married in a mall? No, they'd not get married in a mall. <laughs> You're very funny. <laughs> so they're at this Catholic retreat for like engaged couples. And apparently the two of them steal liquor and take off with a bunch of other attendees and like skinny dip in the monastery lake. Delightful. Okay. I'm nodding my head here. I mean, here's the best nugget that I picked up. Sorry, Padre. <laughs> oh my God. Dean and Mary Jo get married at Mary Jo's aunt's home, which is really great. Like they have a whatever, wedding at the home, and the reception is going to happen at the local convent, okay? That just seems very strange. Well, it's apparently beautiful, Okay, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful convent, and it's open air and spaces, and it's going to be great. And I don't know, like, Canada's a little looser than the U.S., and I don't know if, like, Canadian nuns like to smoke the doobage, but apparently the caterers show up with all the food because Dean 
also is a culinary dude too. He wants to be an actor, but he's trained in culinary. So he hooks up his friends to cater. So they bring all the food to the convent that morning. And like the nuns are high, I guess. And like scarf it all down. So then everybody leaves the aunt's house to show up at the convent for the reception. This occurs to me that perhaps what happens is Dean's friends did not make much food. Oh, no. Like, this is verified. This is, oh. I heard them tell the story in 2020. Like, okay. this is a, like, again, a lot of rabbit holes on this one. All right. But apparently they show up, no food, and a bunch of happy stoned and full nuns. Like, maybe that was an omen. Okay. But young love. Because Dean's a culinary dude, too, and he's trained in chefery and all that. But, like, acting's his dream. And this is a couple together towards Scorpio, man, making their dreams happen. And he's getting acting gigs like better ones. And she begins appearing on this Life Network super popular show called What's for Dinner. And she's going to be on the air on television or radio pretty continuously. Hmm. Like she is Canada's cooking sweetheart. Married to an up and coming actor. Okay. They are like you just want to pinch their little cheeks. Everybody's rooting for him. Dean and Mary Jo have a son in 1998, and everything's awesome. And riding the wave of their Canadian success, they take the path so other many Canadians do, and head on Go down to, Hollywood. to the City of Angels. The beating heart. Dude, stay in Canada. Like, it's better than L.A. But anyway, <sighs> I'm going to leave Mary Jo and Dean right there. Happy. Dean is writing Mary Jo love letters about how much he loves her and their son, and the two of them are in the process of adopting another child, and wowza, love is in the air. Taurus, Scorpio, love. Wow, it sounds great. And Tw- Twelve so, years, Mary so they're, Bliss. They're so happy. Blue skies ahead. They stay happy forever. That's such a good story. Thanks. You're welcome. We can just end the episode. No, I okay. mean, and that's another, that's a wrap for happy marriages. <laughs> Our sister show. So on the flip side of this blue skies ahead, we have another couple to talk about. Tori Spelling and Charlie. Shanna, Hannah, Banna. Hannah, Banana, Shanana, Banana. Nicest mm-hmm. guy in the world. Nicest guy in the I've world. I've heard. And Tori. Like Tori, another Taurus, y'all. And Tori, as we all know, is the daughter of the legendary hit maker Aaron Spelling and his wife Candy. She's the oldest of two kids. She has a brother. And for as much as anybody wants me right now to slag on Tori, I'm not going to do it. Almost like Lisa Marie Presley. There is no way for most regular folk to understand what her life was like growing up. Their home is 60,000 square feet. Her mother has a gift wrapping wing in the home. Money's never talked about because money's always there. Right. Mom's a lavish entertainer and dad's a star maker. And it doesn't surprise me one bit that Tori is lousy with cash. Because when you don't think about money because you've always had it, like you've had a limitless supply of funds, how would you ever get to... God bless her. Tori, though, is a working actress. Sure. Her daddy gives her a start. Remember Saved by the Bell, yo? Oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. I did not know. I She was on 90210. Is that? Yeah. Okay. okay. So she starts on Saved by the Bell. Sure. And then, of did, course. I didn't even know. Okay. Starring as Donna Martin on Beverly Hills 90210. Okay. We all lived it. We were all there. I did not. I was. I did not watch it when I was. So again, Charlie. Age appropriate. Maybe the nicest guy ever. I can't find his birthday. <laughs> like, he is hidden. Are you sure he's alive? 
He is alive. Like, did he, he ever is, exist? He he did. Okay. Tori and Charlie meet. So after House of Yes, after some indie films where she's trying to prove it as an actress, right? She co-stars on stage. She co-stars in the theater. And Charlie has written the play and is her co-star. Oh. And they fall in love. And her friends are like, Charlie brings her craziness down. He calms her down. He's really good for her. He wants the best for her and all that jazz. And he's a good guy. He's like the nicest dude ever. And Tori and Charlie date for like two years. They're going to get married in July 2004 in a ceremony, y'all, that has maybe not been seen since the wedding of Edie Getz. Edie Mayer and William Getz. It is a movie set. Aaron Spelling and Candy Spelling spend a million plus dollars on this wedding. I there are 350 guests. It is a who's who. It is a fairy tale wedding. Oh, and Tori's pet pug, Mimi LaRue, walks down the aisle too for the wedding. That's fine. Charlie will sign a prenup because Aaron and Candy aren't dumb. Mm-hmm. And there might be a little bit of an omen to in this wedding. When, as Tori's about to walk down the aisle, her heel gets hot in her dress. There's a little bit of a kerfuffle, but the million-dollar wedding commences, and the happy couple's hitch, and it goes great. Until it doesn't. Hmm. Tori will say, in retrospect, that they just weren't right for each other. She takes the fault. She says, I didn't show him all of me. He's a nice boy, and he wouldn't want to see that. At 28... It's how old Tori is when she's married. He looked like a logical, level-headed choice. I'm 28. This is what I'm supposed to do, I guess, and I should get married, and it's all very responsible. But level-headed does not mean passionate. And it turns out that Tori is Dean McDermott's poster on the wall. And Dean has been crushing on Tori for a long time, like even... Back in the day, his hockey buddies make fun of him because Dean will leave the party to go home and watch 90210 because he's watching it for Donna Martin. Wow. Repetition. Poster on the wall. Interesting. Dean is also, by this time, a happily married dude of 12 years writing his little wife notes. And then in 2005, Dean lands a gig. And so does Tori. little lifetime flick called Mind Over Murder. And in July 2005... F- funny the things that'll change your life. Okay. July 2005, the two of them will go on location to Ottawa to make a little TV movie. Y'all. Is this separate from Mind Over Murder? No, this is Mind Over oh, Murder. Mind Over Murder. Yeah, it's filmed in Ottawa. Scenic Ottawa. Scenic, scenic Ottawa. <laughs> Y'all, they lock eyes. It's like a ton of bricks on both sides. Taurus Scorpio opposing signs. Like, they are helpless to do anything about it. Tori will say in her 2009 memoir, Storytelling, it was love at first sight. I fell so hard. Then I noticed he had a wedding ring. When someone asked, he pulled out photos of his children and, oh yeah, I had a husband too. (laughs) It was fun to flirt, but I knew that nothing would happen. But Dean and I went to a bar after dinner and then we spent the night at Cartier Place The following day, when I woke up next to Dean, Mm. I had no regrets. Something was really wrong in my marriage. Not only because I slept with this guy, though that certainly wasn't a positive (laughs) sign, but because I didn't regret it. You know what? I'm sorry, this is why I love Tori's book. That is, yeah. Taurus's honest is, Scorpio's are never honest. Taurus, honest to 
a fault. And if it's none of your business, they're going to tell you it's none of your business. Otherwise, they're going to tell you the truth. Like, Tori is so, um, and there was an interview, it's not in the story, but she talks, she's like, the tabloids are going to make shit up about me anyway. Why shouldn't I just go ahead and control the narrative of the story? I'd rather tell you the truth from my own mouth than yeah. have the press get it a thousand ways wrong to Sunday. Yeah. I mean, she, I, you know what? Props for I, candid. I don't know if she gets halos, but I liked, I, she's plucky and I like her. Okay. So mind over murder. Oh God. That wasn't a positive sign that I slept with someone else, but I didn't regret it, which really gave me a big clue. So Tori and Uh. Dean will ride back together on the flight to LA and legit on this vomit bag, write their life goals with each other. Like, I cannot express to you how instant and immediate their love connection is, but they're both fucking married. This is supposed to be a fun weekend gig in Ottawa. But now we're supposed to go home and be with our spouses? Absence makes the heart grow fungus. Okay, so there's some confusion with all parties here. Because Tori and Dean have to be together. First, Tori will tell her husband. She'll tell Charlie. Again, this is from her book, Storytelling. I told him I'd never been in love with him. I loved him and he'd been a friend to me, but I married him because he was a great guy, a guy who took care of me. Charlie didn't want to hear it. He kept saying, where is this coming from? We have a perfect relationship. And then he turned to me. Did you cheat on me? I said, yes. He said, it was with Dean, wasn't it? I said, yes. He said, I should have known. Okay, Dean, for his part, quickly files divorce papers. And Mary Jo is like, what the fuck? And Dean is like, Tori is everything to me. And Mary Jo is like, you have known her for three weeks. We have a decade plus long marriage and a son and a kid on the way. Like, what is wrong with you? These are solid considerations. A lot happens in this time frame. But Dean and Dory, like Dean and Tori cannot keep away from each other. Like, oh my God. And the press is stalking them and reporting everything. And they're stalking their soon-to-be exes too, their front page. Like this was the story of summer 2005 to summer 2006. Like, whoa. If you're looped into tabloid culture, this was your trash candy. So without the benefit of neither Tori nor Dean being actually divorced yet, Dean will propose to Tori on Christmas Eve 2005. Cool. His divorce comes through from Mary Jo by the end of February 2006. Mary Jo will get shared custody and alimony, and she will continue the process to adopt that other child by herself. Well, that's good anyway. Yeah. She takes her family, they head back to Canada to get out of the limelight. Because even in Canada, when she goes back, people come up to her on the street. And she cannot leave the home without people coming up to her on the street, disparaging Dean and giving her money. <laughs> like she's Canada's sweetheart. And all sympathies in Canada are most certainly with, like... Yeah. Ma- well, I mean... Mary Jo. There's... It, <sighs> look. Bless her heart. Obviously, this situation happens... But yeah, I mean, Dean's not the good guy here. Like, I'm happy he found his true love or whatever. But yeah, it's sorry. Like, it's just not. God, poor Mary Jo. As Tori's parents made her sign a prenup, nice guy Charlie's just kind of on the outs. So that divorce Ooh. happens 
Yeah, like yeah. I okay. mean, makes sense. But that divorce happens April of two thousand six, and in May, like eleven days later, Henry the Eighth and Jane Seymour, Dean and Tori elope to Fiji. Are you kidding? Mm-mm. How long have they known each other at this point? Less than a year, eleven months. <laughs> so risky but yeah working out i guess oh no they elope uh for their island wedding and it's off to the races and uh welcome to our new podcast trashy marriages (laughs) no i kid like but we could wrap this story right here the divorces are done Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't even be me but no if i didn't take you through more trash candy bits i got you friends okay so x is out and tori and dean are married and this marriage literally does not sit too well with Aaron and Candy, who two years before spent a million plus smackaroos for you to marry the love of your life two years ago. And I'm not sure if you noticed, kiddo, but we're really private people. And you've been in the headlines every day. So to put it gently, the family relationship is strained. In June of that year, Aaron Spelling dies without Tori having seen him. And the family, of course, is in grief, there's also a million-dollar fortune that Aaron Spelling has left. Hmm. Tori and her brother both will get $800,000 apiece. Candy says Tori's crap with money. I'm not going to give it to her so she can waste it. Which, again, if you grow up with a limitless amount of money, you don't know how to have responsibility about it. Tori's a spender. She's a hoarder. But she's upfront about it. She doesn't hide it. Well, I mean, okay. Okay. So Tori and Dean will start this reality TV empire. They'll boot out five babies. First one starting in 2007. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My eyes are huge right now. Okay. Okay. First kid, 2007, 2008. They have another. They move to another reality show. And like, seriously, Tori's a Taurus. She lets everything hang out. And I have watched every episode of every one of her reality shows. And I love them because it is. Oh, my God. These two have done everything. I've been in this relationship. It is such a weird. She's so raw and weird and awesome that you can empathize. I've been that girl with tears. This. Oh, God. Poor Tori. Okay. It's ups. It's down. It's ups. It's downs. It's tears. And like they let it hang out. But by 2010, these two are renewing their vows. Four years later, after they get married, which is a little early in the schema to do that kind of thing, but it's what you do when you almost break up, I guess. Oh. Because these two are in this opposing sign loop. And I'm afraid, like, it's going to take I don't even know what to bust it up because it only gets trashier from here. They have another kid in 2011. Five months after that baby's born in 2012, Tori's pregnant again. How many kids did he have with... Just the one with his first wife? One with his first wife. And then an adopted child on Mm -hmm. its way. Okay. Okay. So this pregnancy, the fourth pregnancy, is super tough for Tori. Like, she's on bed rest for the last four months. It is less tough for Dean, who is cheating on Tori. Oh. And in December 13, this is like Christmas time, the tabloids all break the story from one of Dean's hookups. And this is where it's gross, because the hookup is like... (laughs) <laughs> she tells everything Dean said and it's just ick um, but Dean says the thing to her that every married man says Uh-oh. we don't even ever have sex which you've got four kids dude like yeah tough to make that claim credibly 
Score Scorpio, sex is kind of your thing as a couple. Try again. I did find you just, your story very difficult to believe. Did you just say Score Scorpio? Because yes, I love that. Like, oh my God. This, the, ugh. Okay. So, ah, oh, Dino. Okay. So, next, their reality series comes True Tory. Oh my God. True Tory. So many tears. And the two of them go in for counseling. And Dean will go in for intimacy addiction and substance abuse issues. Tori will pay like $70,000 for this treatment. But they get back on track. But seriously, this season, y'all, the best part of the season is where Tori is crying. And, uh, well, okay, she's always crying. She cries the whole fucking season. But Dean is talking with Tori as she's crying. And Dean is like, babe. We can totally change our lifestyle. We can lead a normal life. It's going to be fine. But the very best part about the scene is Dean has a fucking iguana on his shoulder as he is telling Tori that they can live like normal people. (laughs) With some fucking beautiful TV right there. Okay. So by 2014, Mary Jo has written a book on divorce. Hold on. I have the title down here called Divorce Sucks. What to do when irreconcilable differences, lawyers' fees, and your ex's Hollywood wife make you miserable. I love her. Mary Jo is such a badass. So she writes this book, and she's still doing her awesome thing. I caught this interview, like two of them from around this time frame. She goes on Kathy Lee and Hoda to talk about the state of things. Because on that season of True Tory, oh my God, Mary Jo and Tory meet. They meet for lunch or whatever. It was the first time they've met. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to meet again. There's a weirder reconciliation story. The Dude, this I guess I'm just, story is just batshit. Surprised with the co-parenting and stuff that they hadn't actually met before. Okay. Nope. Haven't met before. And they meet. And Mary Jo, just like a badass, pulls out this letter. She's like, you know, I know I was coming to meet you today. I found this. Dean wrote this to me the week before he met you. And hands her this letter where Dean's like, Mary Jo, you're my lot. Like... So Tori, right, apologizes, and that's cool and all, but Mary Jo on Kathleen Hoda is like, uh, yeah, I really want Tori to own her 50% of this. Like, the apology was nice, but this is the onus on Dean and Tori, 50-50, um, and the repetitive line that gets said, because there's a lot of repetitions in the story, but here's one that I don't really think we've talked about very often, but it's a good one. How you get them is how you lose them. Hmm. How you get them is how you lose them. But don't worry, because there's another baby on the way. No. Yeah. And another valve renewal with Tina uh, Tina Tina and Dory. Dory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tina and Dory. (laughs) This is like 2016. But their spending's out of control. They have a lot of creditors that come knocking after them. Like, this is not trashy money pod. But there is one cool thing, really, that does happen here with Mary Jo. One day she's out shopping, trying to figure out how to afford like a hundred bucks for groceries because Dean's not paying child support and not paying alimony. Isn't this story awesome? Oh my God. No, this is, uh, <laughs> this is everything you promised it would be and a little bit more. So there's Mary Jo like shopping to the fucking Piggly Wiggly. Like, how do I afford my groceries? And up rolls Dean into the shopping plaza in a limo goes into the golf club store and comes out with like did he get a some, set of clubs did he get some titliest balls <laughs> probably got some titliest balls too <laughs> mary joe's like nah dude um i'm struggling you haven't been paying your part and i want my money 
So here's what Mary Jo does. She uh, cracks open a book. Her dogs probably listen when she reads stories, too. Probably. She's going to become her own lawyer. She researches the whole process. She goes down to the courthouse for 90 bucks, files papers with the court clerk, and proceeds to get her own damn money for alimony and child support with the threat of putting Dean in jail because he's not paying it. She acts as her own lawyer. She's like, it was the best thing I ever did. I took empowerment. Lawyers are 600 bucks an hour. I didn't need to do that. Yeah. I have never felt so empowered. Like, I'm getting chills talking about it. She's yeah. like, that... No, Mary Jo, that's badass. Mary Jo is a badass. That is badass. I say this because, oh my God, Dean McDermott has a podcast. Oh no. And it's called Daddy Issues. Oh no. And he hosts his ex-wife, Mary Jo, on it last year. Okay? 2019. Into 2019. And Mary Jo comes on and she is delightful. And Dean is really trying. Okay, so I have the whole story from this. That's going to be on Trashy Tidbits this week. But here's the gist. The best bit out of this whole godforsaken interview is that <laughs> just a few days before, Dean and Tori and Mary Jo and Dean and Tori's son has turned 21. And he got a bunch of his friends and they all went out to have a dinner. This is pre-quarantine. This is like last fall. Right, right, okay. right. So... 21st birthday celebration. This is the second time Mary Jo and Tori have seen each other. Dean uh, blocked all of Mary Jo's contacts years ago. So they're now just recently talking. So it's been Mary Jo and Tori communicating about kids and alimony and custody and like money and all that kind of stuff. And they found this like, I wouldn't say they're BFFs. <laughs> I'm surprised. But the two Taurus wives uh-huh. meet again. They love each other. They get drunk. Mary can't, Mary Jo can't get a drink. So Tori's like, who do I have to blow to get my friend oh my Mary God. Jo a drink? Um, They get drunk. They have a marvelous time sitting next to each other and talking trash about Dean. And Tori's like flipping back her hair. Like they're giggly, giggly. Proceed to, Mary Jo will say like, I think our drinks were something happened to them because we were both obliterated the next day. Okay. But in this podcast, Daddy Issues, Mary Jo is like, you know, because everybody wants to rile it up. She's like, listen, it's done. I'm living a happier life. Uh, She shows a tremendous amount of grace. And Tori, for her part as well, is showing a tremendous amount of grace. And they have worked it out into this odd comfortable-ish family structure that if Dean has his way, he's going to want to screw it up because apparently at the dinner for the kid, Dean was like, yeah, I want to go to dinner with your parents. And the other co-host is like, dude, you (laughs) no, that's, and Mary Jo's like, thanks. That's a lot of insight you're showing there. It trashy tidbits this week. It's amazing. Okay. So, Mary Jo, besides representing herself in court and being a general badass, like writes a book, she's on the radio, she's doing all the things. She is a good egg, from what I can tell, who has made peace with all of that insanity. Yeah, which she, is no small thing when there are TV cameras following your ex around all the time. Yeah, Like, she's been super honest and super apparent. She is single. She was dating at the end of last year, but not remarried. And I think she's going to take her sweet time and stay away from Scorpios. Good tip. 
Charlie, Tori's ex, has maintained like quiet. It's hard to find a line on him, but I honestly didn't super sleuth too hard. I did half hard, but not really. Like he truly seems like a nice dude. Charlie will come back up because he will meet with Tori on that season of True Tori. He doesn't get on camera. Like she drives, they have a private meeting and it's her response on the way back. She has some angst and guilt, like probably is yours to to have in that. Mm -hmm. Tori and Dean, dude, celebrated their 14th wedding anniversary, at least from the first wedding in May of 2020, 14 years. Congratulations to them. I suppose. There's so many spider webs that spin off from this. On Patreon this week, we've got the whole Trastrology thing about opposing signs, as well as an extra special fun with done episode about some hard candy, candy spelling. I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be a good fun with done because this is a story that just keeps on giving. Right. But those are the trashy divorces of Tori and Dean. As trash cans go. Zero trash cans to Mary Joe and Charlie. Like, I can't even imagine what the gut punch of that experience was like to be on the, like, it, horrific. Tori and Dean, it doesn't get much more trashy divorces than this. They both get classic five stars across the board. Individually. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, insofar as filled with repetitions, filled with repetitions. The only thing in that story that actually made any sense is Mary Jo walking into it. Like, I'm just picturing her like busting the doors of the courtroom open. Done in her pantsuit. Your honor. I would like a word. (laughs) Now, we've got a whole follow up on Trashy Tidbits this week, as well as the candy spelling story, which I didn't get into much here. But whoa, baby, it's going to be fun on Patreon this week. But that is... Oh, my God. I think that... um, I need to take a breath. That was a lot. Yeah. Listeners, you're welcome. I know Alicia has been (laughs) so excited about this one, and she's now grabbing our magic mugs of names. I am. I forgot to put them on the table. I think that's yours. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay, now I'm back. That's bad audio. Sorry. She ruined our audio like that. All right. Oh, God, I need to, seriously, I need to take a breath. I love that sure, story. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, take a breath. You're going first next week, so you draw first. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. But take a breath. Do, do, do. No. That was... No, now I'm excited. Who's wow. next? Who's next wow. in the wheel? Ooh, oh, oh. You want to see? Yeah. Oh. Huh. Why don't you draw and let me think of a clue? Oh, okay. And then, then while I'm saying my clue, then maybe you'll think of a clue. Who do you have? Oh, oh, yes. Yes. All right. Also thinking of a clue. Uh, my clue. Oh, uh, goddess, hero, badass, full of grace. Okay. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to get that. <laughs> I would. I would totally get that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay, what about you? It's a... He's got that one song, right? There, yeah, there, there's that one song and like some child acting involved or something. And uh, mostly this is another, it's like a healthy divorce. It's like happy a health, ending. Yeah. Happy ending divorce. Yeah. Happy ending divorce. Happy post marriage. Healthy post marriage. 
whatever. Now you've just said too much. He has that one song. He has that one song. (laughs) Y'all, thanks again for tuning in to Trashy Divorces. You're the very best. Thanks for hanging out for an hour with us and taking a break. Keep doing what you do. You're doing awesome. We're rooting for you. Thanks for sharing all your stories and all the trash you love. Y'all are the very best. If you need a little bit more trash candy in your life, you can head over to um, the link in your browser at bit.ly slash trash candy quarantine. We'll take you to the catalog of things that we've pulled from behind the paywall. And I think they're sequential or something like Patreon doesn't let us sort. No. So when we post old stuff, it's going to end up a little bit more down in the list. We don't have any good way to fix that. So anyway, that's, uh, there's like a lot over there now. So uh, enjoy. And like 300 things like behind the paywall. So yeah. And consider if you're done with all of that, joining us over to be a team trash candy, trash Panda Mm -hmm. on the Patreon. We're putting out like three to four new episodes a week over there every week. It's so much fun. Yeah. My Life in Trash Candy. (laughs) It'll be the name of my book. That will be the name of your book. My Life in Trash Candy. (laughs) Just named it. TM. Oh, gosh. Is that all? I think that's all. I'm still breathless. I can Aunt Irma on that story all day. No, you you dug into that like it was delicious cheesecake or something. Well, everybody knows the story. I don't. Like, yeah, but... Our hardcore trash pandas. Right. I am not our target audience, weirdly weirdly enough. (laughs) Y'all, that was so much fun. Thanks for tuning in. You're the very best. Until we talk to you again. Keep it trashy. Clean hands, trashy hearts, yo. Wash those paws. So much washing. Hey, and if you're out and about, put on a mask for real. Yeah, be safe, y'all. Yep. We love you. Love you, too. That was all weird. (laughs) Really got weird. (laughs) We love you too. Wash your paws. Wash your paws. Bye, friends. Keep it trashy. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.